sponsored by Suaco, Gevi, Nota AI, One.network, and Navtech Radar from Los Angeles, Highways Voices at the ITS World Congress 2022. So that was the ITS World Congress 2022 in Los Angeles. This is Paul Hutton, who's been here reporting for you, thanks to the sponsorship support from Swarco, Gevi, AI, Navtech Radar and One.Network. Now, before I leave LA, here's one last stroll around the exhibition floor where we talk intersection safety, two types of LiDAR solution for pedestrians and vehicle counting, we talk mobility as a service, and we'll start with a brilliant way of maximising the value value of e-call. Sponsored by Suaco, Gevi, Nota AI, One Dot Network, and Navtech Radar. This is Highways Voices. If you were listening uh, to our Highways Voices that we released on Sunday, looking forward to Monday here at the ITS World Congress, you would have heard me chatting to Danny Woolard from Gevi, but I've managed to grab Danny and change hats with him today here on Highways Voices, because I want to talk about another project he's working on that I think is fascinating. He's working with three other experts, including our friend Andy Graham, on a company called Vsos, which is doing really clever things with data from the eCall automatic emergency system that's inside vehicles. So, uh, Danny, I just want to grab you, remove your Gevi hat for a minute and tell me a bit more about what you're doing with Vsos. So as you say, Paul, this isn't just um, uh, myself. This is uh, working with Andy Graham, as you mentioned, uh, another guy, Alan Gentle, and Andy Rook, who's very well known in equal circles. So the four of us have been working together for close on sort of four years, although we've all known each other for many more. We started working uh, following the award of a Highways England at the time, uh, a project to research the use of eCall to generate incident data. That project was two phases, uh, went through a research phase. Um, The second phase was looking at um, piloting the program and also deployment. For one reason or another, that didn't happen, but the four of us felt that there was such value in what we had developed in the proof of concept that we uh, continued to develop it, to work on it. But also, given that um, the four of us collectively have probably globally the biggest equal brains around the subject of equal, we're also working on a number of projects to do data analysis, to look at how equal can bring value to speeding up the detection of incidents, particularly on things like uh, smart motorways in the UK, um, stop vehicle detection. We've looked at the ways that we can integrate that data and we do a lot of analysis monthly on the volume of e-calls so we so it's really two parts to the business there's the consultancy and research part which will develop um, and generate reports and, and look at project work and then the second is to exploit our t-core platform which is very much in its pilot sort of proof of concept phase which looks at how you can bring in data from uh, e-call alerts get rid of the noise because there's a lot of false alarms in eCall, there's a lot of things that happen, manual, manual pressing of the SOS button inadvertently by young kids or people in showrooms. So it sort of does a lot about sort of filtering out all of that noise to make the data ultimately very valuable for a road agency, a road authority, and the emergency authorities themselves. 
When my wife bought her new car and it had e-call in it, the total training that she got from the guy in the showroom was, that's an SOS button, don't touch it. And that was literally what it was. Uh, does the public actually understand e-call and is it anywhere near giving the value that it should be for the solution that it is? I think the answer to that is a very simple no. I think one of the cha- one of the things that we identified uh, following the work we did for in the UK for uh, Highways England, uh, na- National Highways now, was very much that there was a very big education piece missing. Now, to be fair on National Highways, they've done a lot. They've run campaigns. We've been working with them, um, helping them build those campaigns to get that message across. But there is still a problem. The problem is that the uh, value chain, particularly at the automotive side and particularly the dealership side, has no idea how you know how it works, what what its real value is, and it isn't just about detection when an airbag goes off it's about if you observe a problem on the road how you can use that sos button to indicate that there's been a serious accident or there's a vehicle stopped in a live lane so the data itself has far more value than is actually being recognized the trouble is we've got to get over that sort of educating the whole delivery chain that's the automotive dealers it's about the public at large you know what happens with e- you know, when your vehicle crashes they, they just don't understand so the education is a very big part of what we're doing and the system as far as i understand doesn't just give you the data that uh, the there's been an airbag gone off this is the location but there's a lot more about it and even down to the type of vehicle uh, that is uh, involved so it's an electric vehicle diesel petrol and we've got a fire department an la fire department vehicle coming past us at the moment now if they were going to a, a crash and they had that data and that information they would be able to surely then prepare better is that the sort of stuff that you're really dragging out of the data yeah and trying to enhance it more um as you say the uh, the data that's sent if for an example of airbag going off is known as the minimum set of data or msd contained within that data are the last three positions um, the vin number of the vehicle so we can identify the type of vehicle the color the registration number if it's tied in with a um, vehicle licensing agency database more importantly these days is actually and and los angeles here's a great example nearly every other car is a tesla driving by battery vehicles that has to be noticed to the emergency authorities they have to treat an electric vehicle very differently to um, a sort of normal internal combustion engine vehicle so the, there is huge amounts of value in the data but it is not being used at the moment and i guess in, in, opportunities must be limitless because the car will know how many seat belts are plugged in so therefore it will have a pretty good idea of how many people are in the vehicle so you can prepare for that there must be so many other things that the car knows that you could drag out and then use in order to better inform the emergency services and ultimately save lives yeah correct i mean sort of yeah a number of passengers is one thing but also in the future with next generation e-call it's all about getting more and more data from the car in terms of you know velocity of impact orientation of the vehicle where it's ended up and those things that data can be really valuable to pre-advising trauma centers now that's in the future Um, but it's rather interesting that 
here we have a data set that's been mandated in certainly in Europe but nobody you know really is exploiting it and that's part of the reason why uh, the four of us have set up Vsauce to really to sort of bring that expertise together and exploit um, e-com that we have today. Danny, I know you're over here primarily to be talking Gevi this week, but I really do appreciate you taking five minutes to update us on this because I think the project you're working on is an extremely important one and could be a real lifesaver for so many people in the future. Thanks for talking to us again on Highways Voices and once again, thanks to Gevi for the support this week in getting us out here. Yep, thanks, Paul. We'll see you again. Highways Voices from the ITS World Congress in Los Angeles is presented and produced by Paul Hutton and sponsored by Gevi, Suaco, One Dot Network. Navtech Radar and Notter AI. One of the advantages of coming to World Congresses in person is that you get to bump into mates that you haven't seen for a while and it's really good to see Andy Taylor who's Senior Strategy Director at Cubic and we're on the Cubic stand and Andy when I first met Cubic 10 years ago at the World Congress in Vienna you were basically a public transport ticketing company with a few ideas for a thing called Next City. You then made the acquisition of Serco in the UK and moved back into the traffic side of things. Looking at what you're doing now, it's been quite a journey over the last 10 years. It's more of an evolution, I think. I think one of the key things that we've seen is public transport has this tendency to use the roads as well so it's about how you optimize everything how you have a good view of the holistic mobility network how you can control it how you can influence it and how you can understand how things are moving so what are we looking at on the screens in front of us here on the stand so this is primarily focused on our congestion management solutions. So we have GridSmart, which we acquired a few years ago, which provides a video analytics solution. And that works with our TrafficWare uh, solution as well, which has pods in ground to be able to manage intersections, be able to analyze the flows of traffic, feeds that into sort of our um, artificial intelligence solutions that really help cities optimize the flow of traffic, manage congestion, and then also using those video analytics now for the next generation, looking at how we can provide safety for active modes of transport. So being considerate of pedestrians in the intersections, looking for cyclists in the intersections, being able to identify wrong maneuvers or when vehicles are blocking the intersections. So we're, we're able to provide insights to the drivers directly by pushing information into the vehicles but also back to the city as well so they understand how the intersections are being managed now we've been talking to notar ai from korea who have a similar solution they're using ai to to predict people colliding with each other um, just before you know two or three seconds before it happens and then have the ability to do some warning and so forth so lots of companies are doing this the authorities are going to be wondering if they buy one system will it work with another etc with this cutting edge technology are we in danger of having a sort of vhs and betamax type solution for those of us old enough to remember that or to be honest the modern day one will probably be apple operating system and uh, and then your PC um, you know with, with so many companies doing so many great things to make our roads safer particularly at intersections um, are we in danger of kind of drowning each other out 
It's a very good point. And I think that's one of the key focus areas that we have in terms of what we classify as digital mobility. We're very aware that we are one vendor in a sort of massive ecosystem. So what we try and strive for is open APIs to be able to exchange data between services. So our information that we're collecting, it, we can feed that into somebody else's uh, traffic management system. We can take feeds from other people's sensors and pull that into our solutions as well. Because by sharing that information, by making sure that the data is digitized and easily shareable in an open ecosystem, we can really add value by layering on the different services from different stakeholders. And as I've mentioned several times already on the podcast this week, uh, the buzzwords here post-COVID are active travel. That's what we're all talking about. In years gone by, it's all been about driverless cars. It's been about smart cities. And it's been about, dare I say, mobility as a service. Now, you are probably my go-to expert if there's a mobility as a service story you're the person that Paul the journalist thinks of first to ask about it so I'm going to ask you now where are we on Mars so is it is it happening is it going to happen or was it a good idea that kind of just didn't quite work out um, it's still happening. I think that the, the big thing to sort of focus on with mobility as a service as we, we've seen a lot of the private equity and private organizations fall by the wayside. And that's happening today. If you look at the headlines, uh, there's more and more uh, companies who are sort of folding. And I'm getting phone calls all the time from different organizations saying, would you be interested in acquisition? Now, that's come about because of COVID. There's the reduction in ridership and the business models that exist so that aren't sort of delivering the profits. But because of COVID as well, this has actually helped mobility as a service in the long run. Cities have had their services decimated, and it's been absolutely tragic to see the reduction in ridership. Um, but at the same time, agencies are now looking at, with the limited funds that they have, how can they build back a more flexible, resilient network? that is available for all of the citizens within the city that want to use it. So we've seen this massive pivot now from what has been a conversation led by the commercial side for like the last sort of six or seven years. We've seen that pivot and shift now to public agencies and cities who are interested in mass and deploying mass to provide better mobility options. And when you combine that with the increasing congestion that you're seeing in cities now, it's a natural evolution for them to basically start looking at road user charging as a methodology to sort of try and reduce single occupancy vehicles. But in order to do that, you have to have a robust public transport network. And if that's public and private working together and called mass, that's what they're looking for. Andy, always fascinating to talk, and I think we, we need to have a full Highways Voices half hour with you in the weeks to come. So we'll hook up on Zoom or Teams, and we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it. From the exhibition floor at the LA Convention Centre, this is Highways Voices with Paul Hutton, sponsored by Notter, AI, Gevi, Swaco, One Dot Network, and Navtech Radar. One of the things I love about coming to World Congresses, and especially when you go outside of Europe, is to see new companies that I've not come across before. And given that we haven't had a World Congress here in North America for five years and one in the US for eight, uh, there are lots of companies like that. One of them I've just come along to see is Alster, and I'm with Itai Danon, who is one of the vice presidents who works on intelligent infrastructure. And uh, I'm looking at, uh, well, me, basically, but not me, a computer-generated image of me from a LiDAR that is sitting above uh, the screen. Um, Itai, what are you showing here? 
Very nice to meet you, Paul. We are showing the Auster 3D Digital LiDAR, and effectively, this is the OS1. You can see it projecting and creating a 3D view all around our stand here at the ITS World Congress. Okay, and then there's a yellow cross on the floor, and then an American crosswalk sign with the orange hand up to say, don't walk. I used to love the walk, don't walk signs. I'm really disappointed you kind of phased them out over here over the years, but uh, here we are with the orange hand. So uh, what am I meant to do? Go and stand on the cross or something? That's right. This cross effectively symbolizes a crossing that you would find on an intersection in the street. And the intent is to understand and detect pedestrians with an intent to cross the street to generate a call function to the traffic controller to then give them a green light and extend the green light for as long as the pedestrian is crossing the street. Okay, right, let's give it a go then. So we're going to go and stand on the cross and I'm standing here and, and oh, it's saying I can cross. Beautiful. So this is exactly the demonstration. The intent is that we now detected you have an intent to cross and now you're crossing and it will stay green until you step out of this crossing zone. Okay, what are the uses of that? Because, okay, it's, it's, it's a nice thing to have a LiDAR, a nice thing to have uh, all those images up on the screen, but actually, probably for a municipality, pressing a button would be uh, a little bit of a cheaper option. So what else can you do with this technology? The intent is to really help cities and municipalities around the world and transportation agencies to enhance the safety for their pedestrians and vulnerable road users. And especially when we look at the statistics, most accidents happen either at nighttime or bad weather situations. And in this, uh, with this technology, we'll be able to detect and provide a safe crossing passage for all pedestrians and cyclists, no matter what the time of the day and what the weather situation is. As I've said before, every single Congress has its own real theme. We've had driverless vehicles in the past. We've had mobility as a service. We've had smart cities. We are definitely post-COVID in active travel. And here is one fantastic example of it on the exhibition floor. Thank you so much, Paul. Sponsored by Suaco, Gevi, Nota AI, One Dot Network and Navtech Radar. This is Highways Voices. Walk into uh, a congress and you can always tell important and up-and-coming companies because they are right at the front. And uh, you're absolutely right, right in the centre, I have seen a company I hadn't heard of before called AI, but it's a play on words to an extent because the I is E-Y-E. And I'm with uh, Brent Blanchard, who is General Manager of the Industrial Business. So, right, Brent, what is AI? AI is the industry's first LiDAR software, software-definable LiDAR solution. So for those that are familiar with LiDAR, I mean, LiDAR has been around since about the 60s. Um, but with the, you know, as it has progressed, LiDAR has primarily been fixed laser scanning a, surf, scanning a scene. What AI has done is we create an architecture that uses software to then control the laser and be with this allow higher performance modes, higher accuracy, higher resolution for whatever scene that you're looking to uh, detect objects with. So it's kind of machine vision but using LiDAR rather than video. So what sort of solutions are you delivering? 
So, correct. It's using laser versus a, a camera using video. So today we're showcasing solutions in the ITS space. Uh, we're showcasing AID for advanced incident detection or automated incident detection. We're showcasing tolling solutions where we're using LIDAR to detect uh, cars coming in and we, where we've shown where we've actually replaced you know, five cameras covering five lanes. We're now able to use one LIDAR covering five lanes and have higher accuracy than cameras. And also we're showcasing here intersection management. Yeah, correct, smart intersection management. Again, using LIDAR to be able to detect pedestrians alongside with cars and bicyclists and be able to provide a higher level of safety for intersections. Okay, so I've got, I'm a bear with very little brain, but I've got a kind of understanding of what LIDAR can do. So I can get the uh, incident detection. I can work out how you do that and I can work out how you can recognise um, a vehicle against a pedestrian against a cyclist but how do you do the tolling bit how do you recognize and therefore allocate a toll to a vehicle yes so if you look at the tolling solution and step back there's several different modalities of sensors used to to be able to detect the car and cue a camera to take a picture of the license plate so when you look at today's tolling solutions are using cameras sometimes radars sometimes inductor loops in the cement and you have to look at all of those sensors as well as the cost to deploy and the cost to maintain. So what really separates AI from these other sensors is that one, we can use one LIDAR to detect across up to six lanes. With the one LIDAR, where not only can we detect the, the vehicles, with the vehicles coming, we can then cue the cameras to take a picture of the license plate to make sure that you have zero, you know, zero revenue leakage. But in addition to that, our LiDAR can provide additional information, whether it's the, the vehicle type, focusing on maybe the axles, focusing on, so today as cities are deploying new sensors, it's really about the information we can provide them. I mean, it, it really, it's coming to around how much the data that you can provide. So, I mean, in, in tolling that we're showcasing, we have tolling solutions deployed in Europe today that uh, we are not only doing the car detection, but also by vehicle type and allowing the operators to charge you know, different amounts for types of vehicles. Fantastic stuff, Brent. I want to find out so much more about you, but time's hit us now, this time. But what we'll do is I want to get you onto one of our regular Highways Voices podcasts and we can talk for 20 minutes, half an hour about the solution and really dig into it. Can we do that? Absolutely. Fantastic. Speak to you soon. Thanks for joining us on Highways Voices. Okay, thank you very much. So that's it. Thanks for joining me on my trip to LA. It's been a really interesting time here. Now we'll be back to normal Highways Voices podcast next week when I'm joined again by Adrian and we'll have our partner news as well. And we're on the road again in November when we report from Highways UK in Birmingham. It's only left for me to thank Swarco, Gevi, Notary One.network and Navtech Radar for their support. I bid you farewell from Los Angeles and thank you for listening. Highways Voices from the ITS World Congress in Los Angeles is presented and produced by Paul Hutton and sponsored by Gevi, Suarco, One Dot Network, Navtech Radar, and Notter AI. 